0: a world of history and architecture a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel learn more discuss more travel more and enjoy life more and now your host the professor travel
1: greetings students and welcome to this episode of the professor travel i am your host the professor travel coming to you from orange county california this is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different countries and travel destinations. This is where you go in order to discuss them as a community. Hopefully this will inspire you to travel more and learn about new places and ultimately to enjoy life more. Now you can reach me at a variety of different sites and social media, first and foremost being theprofessortravel.com is my website. You can find me on YouTube and on Facebook at The Professor Travel. I'm now available on TikTok at the Professor Travel. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at the underscore Professor underscore travel. You can find me on Twitter at the Professor TR one. And if you're a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot at the Professor Travel dot Blogspot dot com. Today I have a wonderful visiting professor with me. I would like to introduce you to Professor Jimmy Mayer. Hi, Jimmy, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much. Jimmy and myself, we worked together for a few years, um, and Jimmy is a world traveler. He goes to a lot of different places. Um, for the benefit of my students and those who don't know you, can you maybe tell us a little bit about uh, not only your educational credentials, but also some places that you've traveled?
2: Yeah, sure. I graduated from Georgia Mason University, of Virginia. went to grad school at the University of Phoenix, uh, where I worked with you. Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as traveling, I've been around a lot like I was trying to count it up the other day I think it's like 20 to 25 countries I've been to uh, <laughs> but I enjoy going to places that are different where I feel just at a place where I'm comfortable I've been to Dubai I've been to Thailand I've been to South America I've been all over Europe um, and a couple islands you know I've been around how many continents do you think you've been to so I have not been to Africa I really want to go to Africa and I've not been to Antarctica <laughs> mm-hmm. So the two big ones needing.
1: Yeah, so I'm crossing my fingers for you on yeah, Thank you. Appreciate but that. That'll be that'll be a really great excursion. I'll love to hear more about that. If you do decide to come back and have a conversation with us about it, I think that would be a great thing to learn a little bit more about. So Yeah, is um, gonna
2: be a pricey one if that happens, but you know.
1: Absolutely. Oh. So um, for purposes of this vlog and podcast, however, we're gonna talk about New Zealand. Is that correct? That is correct. Awesome. So walk us through this. Tell us about how long you had to plan for this excursion and vacation. And, the, and how long this was going to be for?
2: So I think I, I try to think as much time as possible because it takes a long time to get to New Zealand. Um, it's one of those places where if you're going to go there, you want to make sure you do as much as possible while you're there. Because you never know if you're going to get back there. just because It's pricey and it's like I said, it's a long way away. Yeah. Um, so it was a two week trip and... Planned for it pretty far in advance, maybe like three to four months. I'm not the best planner in the world, <laughs> but for this one, I knew I needed to take a lot of time off work. So that was kind of like the motivator to make sure I started planning things early. Okay, just logistically, getting flights, starting to make accommodations—about 90 days, I would say.
1: Okay, and were you traveling with friends, family? Were you meeting people there? It was just my
2: girlfriend and I were going over there. She had friends over there on the North Island. So New Zealand, you got the North Island, the South Island. She knew some on the North Island, um, and so our plan was to do a week over there, and then a week on the South Island as well. And randomly, I had two friends that had booked a trip to New Zealand, Australia for the same week. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> yeah, it's totally random. So um, we got to meet up with them for a couple of days in the North Island as well. It just randomly overlapped. So
1: nice. I, I love it when that over happens. There, <laughs> I love when that just convergence happens a couple years ago. I went, um, one of my first trips overseas, uh, with my husband now was to go to Paris. And while mm. I was there, a friend of mine who was living in Italy, his wife and their kids decided, Hey, we know that Scott's up there. Let, we're going to surprise him. And sure enough, randomly I'm, I'm in the middle of like downtown or like downtown Disney over in Euro Disney and my eyes get covered up and it's my best friend out of nowhere from Italy. I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? <laughs> we just decided to go to Disneyland, found that you were here and like GPS you and found you right on the spot. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So yeah, those surprises absolutely. and those, those, uh, convergence when you have friends that do that totally priceless, absolutely wonderful.
2: And yeah, we were just talking, uh, we were talking about upcoming vacations. I was like, Hey, I'm going to uh, New Zealand on April 15th. And she's like, oh, oh, I'm going to New Zealand on April 15th. <laughs> Oh,
1: it's like let's make it happen um, now when yeah, yeah. there I do want to ask uh, was there a visa requirement or any type of special travel medications and kind of things you needed to do to prepare for any diet or anything like that
2: No it was actually kind of just the opposite for New Zealand so as a as an island they're really particular about not getting um, anything into the country that could impact like, I don't know, any of the wildlife, like the birds. There's so much stuff that's specific to that island, so they do a really good job at keeping um, that stuff out of there. Mm -hmm. So anything, if you're going over there, um, and you plan to do like any hiking or camping, um, they scan all your stuff when you arrive to make sure there's like zero dirt, no bacteria. They have all these, I don't know the word for it, some kind of weird radar system that gets all your stuff through. um, And it takes a couple hours sometimes, but they make sure there's nothing coming into their country that could impact um, any like the ecosystem there. Hmm. So not really me having any medications, just them making sure that I'm not bringing anything over there um, mm-hmm. that could get anybody sick or I you don't know, I step on a plant wrong or ruin half the country. <laughs> Protecting New Zealand, I guess. But yeah, with the passport travel, no visas are needed. Um, if you're from America or Canada or UK, and you just have a valid passport. You're all set to go.
1: Perfect. So let's talk about the travel there. Uh, now in the pre-packing process, are you kind of one of those heavy packers where you bring like seven or eight suitcases? Are you one of those minimalist packers where you're bringing like a purse size backpack? I mean like, what? where do you fall in that spectrum?
2: I'm very minimalist and I often forget a lot of crucial things that I need and end up buying things at the place where I go. <laughs> I've done that quite a few times. Um, so I try to pack as light as possible. I like trying to get everything in the uh, in my carry on if possible, but this trip was impossible because I had a tent and like, we're, we're doing some backpack on the South Island. Um, so I had a tent and we brought over a couple um, things of, like camping food, um, they're like pre-packaged. There's a lot of stuff you can't bring on the airplane with you that we needed. So there was a lot of stuff that we planned that we would actually buy over there in New Zealand. Um, As far as like a lot of camping things, um, like camping stove or like gas for the camping stove and a lot of food that we brought with us from the backpacking trip we bought there. Mm -hmm. So packing to go there wasn't too bad. Um, We knew we'd be a little dirty and stinky from the backpacking. So just kind of like the bare necessities is what I needed is usually what I try to pack.
1: So you do a lot of rural travel, it seems like, because I mean, in the time that I've known you, I want to say that you've been into hiking and camping and backpacking and stuff like that for a long time. Um, are those, when you're typically traveling, are those the destinations that you tend to gravitate towards with your girlfriend?
2: Yeah. Cause I feel like if you go to a lot of big cities and I, I guess this isn't really true, but I feel like a lot of big cities where you go in different countries are kind of the same, you know, you have your same, you have nice restaurants, you have attractions you can see. Um, but when you get out into like the countryside, that's where a lot of, what are the differences as far as like the mountains or the lakes, or the desert or whatever that surrounding um, environment like. So that's what attracts me more to where I would vacation is what the rest of the world looks like outside of the big cities
1: I can get to. Okay. That's fair enough. And what was the weather like over there? Well, that's pretty good. Um It's generally, I think just, it ranges like
2: 50 to 70, never gets too hot, never gets too cold there. Um, as long as you're not like actually up in the mountain. So, We went in April, which is their fall, I believe. Um, So on the North Island, the weather was perfect. It was like sunny the entire time. Um, South Island is when we started our backpack trip and it rained for the first three days of that, literally like nonstop rain, which is cool. But it's like temperature wise is, you know, it was okay. 60s to 70s, very, very comfortable, which makes it easier to pack for also.
1: Because it's not like, like uh, you know, going somewhere cold you're packing a lot of winter gear and layers and things like that. It's pretty simple. How would you gauge the humidity while you're out there? I mean, I'm used to like, like I live in California, so it's a very desert, dry community here. But when, yeah. I, go, when I go to, like, I, I just got back from the Mediterranean and there were times mm-hmm. when it was like 80, 85% humidity in some places, which was just to me, like Florida level or Bangkok level unbearable in some cases. Like, what was the humidity level down where you were at? I'm not a fan
2: of humidity either. It's, it was pretty good, actually, because um, it's a small little country, but wherever you go, it's, it's kind of like different climates, but always comfortable. So even at the beaches, it was cool, not a lot of humidity. Um, yeah, never really felt uncomfortable the entire time I was there for the whole
1: two weeks. So. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So which airport did you fly out of in order to get to there? Flew out of Reagan in Washington, D.C., OK. And you did you, you did not have a direct flight going all the way from Reagan, though, did you? No. So um, I did. We did Reagan to
2: Los Angeles, okay. uh, left enough of a buffer time in LAX to get outside LAX, go to in and out and get back to the next flight. Which is ever going through LAX, you should always make time. Uh, about like
1: a three four hour window where you can get to in and out and get back to your next, national- <laughs> um, then you know, over to people, yeah. Well, some people are you know that, for those for those of my students who are not aware, in and out is a burger chain here in here in the West Coast. It's very very cultish like almost in, in a way that people love it. Um, but uh, but to the same aspect uh, on the East Coast, you also have things like. Uh, White Castle, which is kind of cultish, in the south you tend to have Whataburger, which is really kind of cultish too. So I mean, but all, d- divisionally there's a lot of really great food. It just depends on where you're where you're going. And to my students, I might actually be having more conversations about that in the relative future. So stay tuned on that. Um, yeah, we, we do a whole podcast on In and Out because it is oh, the best. Burger. <laughs> well, that yeah, we would have to have a debate because there are a lot of different burgers out there that are like, wow, I just. Like it would it would take hours for us to have this conversation, (laughs) but actually, um, speaking
2: of burgers, like when we were in Auckland, um, I found that I wasn't seeking this out, but randomly somebody told us that um, forget who the travel guy is with the blonde goatee and the sunglasses, always does the cooking show, Guy Ferrari, Guy Ferrari.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: So he was there, and he named this place called I
1: think it was.
2: Fat Burger in Auckland is one of like the five best burgers in the world. Hmm. Um, and every t- time we tried to go there, it was literally just like six-hour line. Um, only one night we got to try it, and I would call it, you know, probably like an A A minus as a burger. They <laughs> think that everyone is like, if you're going to Auckland, you've got to go to the Fat Burger place. It's amazing, and you can tell it was the tourist trap there because it's
1: consistently a nine-hour line. Is that is that? Associated with the fat burger chain that we have here in the United no, States. It's, it's different. It's a different one. Or no, not fat burger. Ferg burger. Ferg burger. Ferg burger. Bird burger. burger. Okay. Yeah. Double <laughs> now, did you, did you figure out how long was the entire trip, including your time from Reagan, LAX with the stopover and then down to New Zealand? It was just about 24 hours. Yeah. The
2: first leg just, you know, is was difficult. Um, East Coast, West Coast, maybe was that like five hours? Yeah. Had the um, layover in Los Angeles, and then came the big one, which is that like 20 hour trip all the way to New Zealand, which honestly, I didn't mind. Like, I know everybody kind of makes a big deal out of airplane rides or uncomfortable, you know, but, and I'm six foot six, so like, yeah. Don't like riding airplanes.
1: I was like, I don't see you can coach like all curled up in a ball very, very happily for very long, so. Yeah. I mean, we, we did New Zealand air and it was super comfortable. I
2: had plenty of room. Um, you've got like 600 movies you can watch. I drank like two
1: bottles of wine cause it's all free. I was like, going to say, I, I actually took air New Zealand from uh, LAX to London a couple years ago. And mm-hmm. the thing I found out, which was really interesting about it is that they're subsidized in part by the wine industry in yeah. New Zealand. So, you don't pay for any wine on that flight they flow it freely and and you will literally go through a lot of wine on that flight it's fantastic they took great care of us i i I actually do normally i don't recommend anybody specific on this channel but air new zealand was fantastic i i would go on them again i I had a they really were
2: yeah i would watch batman i'd have a bunch of wine i'd fall asleep Wake up like slightly hungover, and then come around more wine. And so, <laughs> yeah.
1: like, well, if you insist, I, I think it was like midnight, and I was like, you know, I, I all of a sudden I have this little weird craving, and I look and this like, oh, the snacks are free, the wine is free, you know. Okay, I'll, you know, like you can get, I, and not like really expensive stuff, but I mean, like you can get like cookies or chips or stuff like that. They they were like, don't worry about it. Well, and they just they 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 would like bring me stuff like periodically just to make sure I was okay. And I was like, I wasn't even asking for it. Like, I think I asked for like a glass of wine and, you know, it's like midnight or something like that. And they're like, mm-hmm. would you like some cookies? We just, we just, you know, we just got some together. And like, sure, no problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they brought me like three cookies, like hunkin' sized cookies. And like, oh, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, 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 really I appreciate good customer flying, service. But flying internationally, I always think is kind of fun. So, yeah, I I really always appreciate excellent quality customer service, and when you get it on flights, it usually tends to stick with you pretty well. Yeah, so. awesome. Now, what was the name of the airport that you landed at? Was it in Auckland?
2: Yeah, it was Auckland International.
1: Yeah. Auckland International. Okay, cool. And um, did you pre arrange for transportation there, or did you just taxi it to where you're first. Yeah, we had our, um, the person we were staying with,
2: she picked us up at the airport, Okay. Um, which was like six or seven in the morning at that point, New Zealand time. Okay. Um, pretty groggy coming off the flight because 24 hours, you sleeping like on and off randomly. So the goal was when we arrived in New Zealand to just try to stay awake all day, oh. just back on that normal sleep schedule, which I know is hard because, if you arrive at six in the morning, you fall asleep for, you know, like seven or eight hours. It kind of throws off the rest of your trip. So the plan was keep on pushing. At
1: least to like seven or eight at night. Um, that way when you wake up the next morning, you're good to go. Can, can, yeah. Can we talk about that for just one second? Because that's not something I have really discussed on my show before. It's one of those things where when I've traveled back, like I've gone to, I think my first exposure was when I went to Amsterdam a couple of years ago. I think it was like back in 2009, 2010, something like that. And then at that time, I was told by people you want to try and stay up as much as possible to avoid jet lag issues. And I was like, it just seems really kind of weird. And I, and I tried that. I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to successfully do it on that trip, but I found that I was having so many problems during that trip where I would like want to fall asleep at like five o'clock in the afternoon. And then I would want to wake up at one o'clock in the morning. And it was, it, it totally threw off my body clock until the day we got until the day we were supposed to get back. And then all of a sudden, my body starts to acclimate. I'm like, no, not now. This is not the yeah. time I need to acclimate. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but but it sounds like the strategy that you embrace is pretty much for the most part, you know, stay up as step as best you possibly can through the time. And yeah, I knew that like the first day would be really rough. But as long as you just as long as you know that going in, the first day you're going to be really
2: sleepy. But just do everything you can. Drink a lot of coffee. They got a lot of new coffee down there. Um, yeah. To keep on pushing it, and then hopefully by the next morning you can get yourself back on that schedule.
1: Did you notice whether or not there was a issue thinking in terms of both going there and coming back? Was there any um, jet lag issue that you found was more like, were you more, did you have more of an issue when you got there or was there more of an issue when you returned home? Well, when I came home,
2: I actually kind of did like a wraparound vacation because I have a friend in San Francisco. Hmm. So, So when I'd come back, to the States, I had a couple days in San Francisco, um, with a friend. So it wasn't like, a, this this still pretty big jet lag, but it was kind of the same situation where I arrived back to San Francisco at like seven or 8 AM. And it's kind of the same thing again, um, get off real groggy, but I knew I had three days to my friend to San Francisco. So I just kind of try to stay awake again all day.
1: <laughs> okay. Not a problem. Okay. Yeah. So now let's talk about the itinerary. What, what cities or what locations were you going to be going during this time? So it was Auckland, well, more of like a suburb outside
2: of Auckland um, for the first couple days. And then uh, that would pretty much take up the, the first week just staying with my girlfriend's friend at that point. Okay. And then the next week it was Queenstown, which is in the South Island. So we take a small flight over there, like a 30-minute flight from the North Island to the South Island. Okay. Um, they're in Queenstown for three days. And then the next four to five days, we're backpacking more like the southern end of the South Island on the
1: burn trek. Okay. So no, so uh, Auckland and Queenstown, no Christchurch or anything like that, correct?
2: No, I didn't do Christchurch.
1: Okay. Perfect. Okay. Well, walk us through your itinerary. Talk to us about a few of the things that you did uh, while you were there, maybe some places that you went to, some stuff that you ate. If, if you had any pre-planned excursions, that would be great to know as well. Um yeah. The part of the
2: trip was more focused on, honestly, wine, <laughs> because Great. big thing there. Um, so there's like, a, what was called, Waiheke Island is right off um, on the east side, and it's just known for having a, just a whole bunch of wineries just on this island, so you take a ferry out there. Um, it's a beautiful island, and it's kind of like it's a little beach community, um, so they have tours where you just go around all the different wineries. Um, and you spend a day doing that and then you ferry
1: back over to Auckland after that's done. Um, can I ask, can I ask you a quick question? Um, normally when I think, and and we're going to break into a wine conversation now, uh, normally when I think in terms of different regions that you go to the soil content and the various different wines that they produce there are categorized because for the most part, certain wines tend to grow better in certain places. So when I think of New Zealand, I'm automatically thinking of Shiraz as an example of one of the more common wines they have there. Mm. But did you see anything else besides that, that they were growing there or allowing you to sample?
2: Yeah, see, I'm not like a
1: huge wine person. Shiraz is big down there. Um, I
2: just morally stick like any kind of red wine. I'm not great on knowing that is. That's fine. Everything I tried out there was very, very good. Um, I know Virginia, where I live now, supposedly, you know, the new wine country. I um, gonna get too excited for anything I really tried on here, but everything I tried on delicious. delicious.
1: So. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah. All right, cool. And and we'll have a debate about that, too, because I live in California, and our wine country here is just... A I know, I feel like it's Virginia. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> okay, so you spent some time at some wineries, which is great. Um, and did you take home any bottles? Were you able to do that, or...? Um. No, everything was.
2: We bought a couple, but everything was gone by the time we left. Honestly. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. Um, so, very fun. Yeah. Though. So that, there was that day. The first day was more just like exploring Auckland, which so is getting out and just checking out the city. Um, which is a really cool city. Um, it's very clean. There's a lot to do. It's a big college, like right in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we We rented a car, so learning how to drive was a big thing there because they do the opposite side of the road. Oh, yeah. bit. Was the first time I've ever done that. That um, so was also pretty exciting. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it was a lot of it was that in Auckland, just kind of hanging out with the friends at the house, kind of just know the area. And then in Queenstown, we took the flight to Queenstown.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Town was amazing. Um, the flight into Queenstown is so great because just the mountain range when you're flying into the the city, it's just the most dramatic like jagged mountain peaks there. And it's, it's known as the um, adventure capital of the world because everybody in this city is literally bungee jumping or mountain biking or you know, wow. kite into the ocean or something crazy. Yeah, it's it's a really cool city, and there's a lot, uh, there's a ton to do if you're into that kind of stuff. Because um, in every single corner, you'll have some kind of like expedition outfitters or come rent a moped here, mate, or one of those kind of things. Um, you can see there's the original bridge where they invented bungee jumping there. So that's a huge thing, bungee jumping. Did, uh, did you did you participate in that? I did not, you know, I've been skydiving and I thought, you know, I'm in New Zealand. I should probably bungee jump. For some reason, I just didn't get excited for it. It was thing, so I guess check it out. It, it's funny in Auckland, when you're walking around, there's like six or seven buildings, like skyscrapers, that randomly have some uh, bungee jumping like contraption just set up up top. Oh my gosh. One break. I'm going to go bungee jumping. Why not?
1: (laughs) It's kind of wild in that regard. That's cool. So, so so, uh, like, uh, what are some things that would, that would be like standout things that if I was a first time visitor to Queenstown that I might want to look at?
2: Well, where we stayed, it was called the Sherwood Queenstown and it was super cool because it was kind of like a hotel. It's, I don't want to say it it was like a hippie commune but it was more like a little village so they had rooms in a big circle kind of like a horseshoe of these like really um open air rooms with a big center in the middle of, like a garden and they did yoga every morning and they had a really good restaurant, um on top of there where they everything they had in a restaurant um, besides meat they would grow in their garden mm-hmm. and it wasn't expensive honestly so if you're looking for like a cool place to stay that's not like a typical like motel or airbnb um Sherwood, Queenstown, I thought was really, really interesting. For what, was, what was the cuisine like over there for the most part? It was good. It was, everything was like super fresh. It was a lot of lamb. I feel like lamb, that's the place to go because everybody always says there's more sheep and people there and they're right. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. so that was really good. The Sherwood Forest Place was great because everything did taste so fresh. Um, just because you could see the garden where everything was coming from. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was everything I had down there was delicious. It was not too different from what you'd find in the U.S. as far as like a lot of restaurants go, except everything's got a lot more lamb.
1: Mm. They love their lamb. Lamb and seafood
0: were huge
1: down there. Well, I, I can imagine so. I mean, yeah. it's landlocked uh, or uh, excuse me, ocean locked island, so it's like yeah. I imagine that the seafood has got to be great. And I've seen a lot of reviews of new zealand and they have a lot of sheep and, and and lamb and stuff like that over in that area so it just seems like a big thing um did you I, I imagine there was probably some tourism around things like you know the filming locations of lord of the rings and stuff like that oh yeah that's huge when you go to the south island um so they've got a
2: whole um world basically set up for it that yeah, cost money we didn't do that um but it was big down there and Everywhere you go, there's some kind of reference to Lord of the Rings and there's like, little, uh, like, cardboard cutouts of, what's the name, Gandalf. You can always take your picture with it. <laughs> I think it's, it's the Shire. Is that the yeah. name of the I, mean, the I think, I I think, think that's the little, that. the, was, like, little, little houses picture. and stuff like that. Yeah, because yeah, if you drive through, like, the countryside on the South Island, um, mm-hmm. there's lots of little signs that will say, like, this is where this scene was filmed. Which is cool if you're fans of that movie, mm-hmm. you can go to the South Island,
1: because it's all about Lord of the Rings. Well, and here's the thing. I'm also kind of curious. So, um, you've rented a car. You're mm-hmm. going to be driving, but you're also going to be hiking too. So, how is that exactly? Like, are, do you do like day hikes? Do you either, like, oh, we're going to go ten miles this way, ten miles back, drive off? So here? He at first, I thought it was a little sketchy, but everybody down there is really nice and
2: trustworthy. So, the way it worked out is the the one backpack trip we did um, was a four day backpacking trip. So. Okay. You drive to where the start of the trailhead is, and they got this system worked out down there, because I guess a lot of people go down there for backpacking, mm-hmm. where the companies that um, you get a little lockbox for your rental car, and you kind of put it on to the, the back like bumper, and then you basically hire some guy to come get your rental car and drive it to the other end of the trail and drop it off there four days later. Hmm. Okay. At first, it's like, oh, yeah, really? I wouldn't trust me in DC to do that. But <laughs> people down there, because um, there's a lot of different, they call it trekking, they don't call it hiking down there. But there's a lot of treks down there where, you know, it'll take five or six days to do. And it's oh, they're always point to point. So they have these companies that will, you'll know, park your car there and you notify them ahead of time and they get to the lockbox. Mm-hmm. And at some point in those five days, they show up, get in your car, or drive it down the other side and
1: good to go. Nice. That way, back, your car's right there waiting for you. Uh, a couple of other things. What was the currency that they were using down there? It's just called New Zealand dollars. And it, it's pretty similar to, um, US dollars. Okay. Not a problem. And for purposes yeah. of the hiking trip, um, it was a four day trip you said, correct? Yeah. And what was the distance on that? How far were you going to be hiking?
2: I think it was almost 35 to 40 miles. So something like nine to 10 miles a day. Okay. Uh, which it was, it was amazing. Like if you're looking to do some kind of a backpacking or hiking there, it's called the Rootburn Trek. It's one that we did. Um, but it starts off more of like a jungleish field, lot like a waterfalls, but then it just goes into high alpine. So you're just above like the tree line. And it's just snow-capped mountains everywhere you go. Um, it was amazing. Like if some of the most breathtaking scenery I've ever seen in my life going through that. Yes. Um, so they have some pre destinations where they know people will, of like what the average hiker it takes um so some decimal campsites lined up where you're
1: supposed to kind of make it to each day so excellent yeah. and uh, i was gonna say um are like as you're going along through this trailhead are there places to stop to go to the restroom are there um did you need to buy toiletries when you got there i mean what was the whole situation with that because i've not i've not done full-on backpacking or hiking trips before
2: yeah so in, in Queenstown, there's tons of like hiking, camping, outdoor stores, just because it's like the big nature of the South Island. So a lot of that we did get there. when We arrived. We bought gas for our stove. We bought some basic toiletries. Um, on, on that particular route, there wasn't a ton. There's two stops where, actually there's probably three stops, where there's like little um, kind of villages where it's like a like, the equivalent to like a ranger station um, here in the States where you can go there and there'll be rangers there, like a national park. Um, so they'd have some facilities there, bathrooms and stuff like that. Um, so they had that along the way, maybe two or three times okay. just for emergencies and things like that. But the rest of the time you were pretty out there, the, the South Island's not incredibly populated. Um, so you really do feel like you're in the middle of nowhere most of the time, which is pretty neat. That's the variance you're looking
1: for. Sorry. Well, and the other thing I wanted to ask, um, and you're you're actually enlighten me a lot about this because I'm not very familiar with backpacking or hiking. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're going on a trailhead like something like this, are are you expecting to see a lot of other people doing this at the same time? Because if it's espe- especially in a place like New Zealand, where it's or, or specifically Queenstown, where it's that maybe that's one of their big big avenues that they have, mm-hmm. and as far as excursions that a lot of people go on. Are you expecting like a like passing a lot of people on the trail, or are you expecting it's going to be pretty sparse? Um, what's the danger level also I mean, in terms here of here wild here. animals? Yeah, like the one that we did was um, a pretty popular
2: one, but we didn't see a ton of people. Like when you get to the stations or the campsites, you obviously see some people there. Um, yeah. yeah, for the most time, you're all alone, and you'll pass occasional hiker and you give hello and people talk, and everyone's real outgoing and friendly there. Um, so I think they see a lot of people from other. places. Places kind of going down there, do similar things. Okay. Um, yeah, the part is just you're kind of out there doing your own thing, which is neat. And then you get back to the campsite and everyone's real friendly and you kind of talk about what you did in the day. And I swear you mentioned the wildlife. Um, there's not a lot of big mammals in New Zealand. So, as far as like bears or snakes, you don't have that. It's pretty funny. They have um, along the trail, they're really, really serious about trying to keep their ecosystem in place as far as like all the native birds, and, like the kiwi. Um, they've got this crazy parrot down there called the uh, what's it called, the kia, I think. That's no like stealing people's keys and like flying off of like, you know, people's food and things like that. Um, but a lot of these things are endangered because they've got a, what is it? Like a squirrel, a ferret and a possum problem there. Just from people like somehow these mammals that are not native there got to New Zealand, the South Island. Um, and they're just destroying everything yeah they're really forceful about if you see a possum or a squirrel or a ferret um, kill it and they're really really strict like you've got to do everything you can to kill these animals because like they're invasive and they're just destroying so you know I was, they're just sharing it for seven years like I'm like I kill this poor little possum they' have set up um, everywhere along the trail to try and trap and get rid of these these small little mammals and all these little critters and their goal to like eradicate all these little critters by uh, I don't know, like 2025 is a big mission that they have okay. uh, to preserve the other animals that are there which is it's really weird it's, it's i don't know it's something i hadn't really thought of just living in america we don't know if we have issues like that but uh yeah just seeing that whole like you know you gotta kill these things to kind of like save this wildlife it's just a weird weird way to go about it but i guess
1: it's, yeah it's kind of like one of those things where it's like Maybe there's just like the one species of really, really cute animal, but Mm -hmm. by introducing that into the ecosystem, it's destroying thirty other animals or something like that. Or it might be ruining um, like a certain plant life that's that's really vital for a lot of other plants to be able to grow effectively. So Yeah. That's good information. We did
2: see any wildlife technically with gold which you're supposed to kill it, but you know, I didn't do that. So (laughs) didn't really see much out there. A lot of sheep and a lot of crazy birds. <laughs> I didn't see any kiwis. My big goal was to see a kiwi while I was over there. Aww. but they're nocturnal, and as hard as I look, they're apparently pretty shy, so I did not see. any kiwis.
1: Oh man, I was just like, Oh, and that's, and that's what they call everybody from New Zealand is the kiwis.
2: So I know if you go in Queenstown I and mean, I think in Auckland too, they had some like um special places you could go where they had kiwis there, like kiwi habitats. You pay any hawks and you could go see a kiwi. I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to see when it's a natural environment. And then I didn't. So
1: I was uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Nah. Okay. That's fine. And so then uh, how did you make your way back over to Auckland at that point? So
2: after that, um, got on the plane from Queen Town to Auckland one more night in Auckland and then back to uh, San
1: Francisco the next morning. So oh, that was cool. last day. Let's talk about the return process. Uh, so, what was customs like, and did you have anything like a mobile passport or global entry or anything like that? I global entry. I'm so glad I do because <laughs> me too. I'm back before from other places before, and it's a nightmare. It yeah. makes the process so much easier. I agree, especially like uh, for me. I I live near LAX, so <clears throat> going through LAX used to take me 45 minutes to an hour. So like from the very beginning, where you're going through passport control all the way through passport control, then through the final passport stage, and then to get your bags. That whole process takes about an hour. But yeah. with global entry, all of a sudden it takes me, it takes me like 15 minutes now at the most. Yeah. So it's like, I'm like, where was this? Like that. Yeah, exactly. And global entry is pretty easy. For my students who haven't been familiar with it, it, it is about $150 for five years. So it's about $30 every year. Um, mm-hmm. but you pay it all at once. And you do have to sit for a... Uh, an a interview with the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, mm-hmm. they just ask you a couple of questions. I think I, my interview took maybe about five minutes. It really wasn't that long. So. I think mine took forty-five seconds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, then again, they you're you're right near DC, so it's probably a yeah. very efficient operation. So, yeah, so awesome. Well, that's cool. So let's talk about the post vacation information. Okay, so what would be the pros of a first time person going to New Zealand who's never experienced this before? It's
2: a so
1: wild place um especially when
2: the, the the north island the south island are so different so the north island is very like you want to get away you want to resort um a lot of places for camp for you the beaches there are beautiful so it's more that like typical vacation getaway um just a lot of fun stuff to do great city the south island is more just like a wild place with just not a lot of people a bunch of sheep and just some big mountains so i like the country itself, it's got those two islands where you can take kind of too many vacations in one big vacation if you want to. Um, and it's, it's pretty easy to get flights back and forth too, and it's not that expensive. So I think one of the pros is just having such a, a wild difference in the two islands and they're still seeing countries so close together.
1: So then on the flip side of that, what are some things that a first-time traveler should be aware of? Um, it's I mean, it, it is pricey. It's kind of like the equivalent
2: of maybe – taking a vacation in like LA or New York or something like that. So when you look at like hotels, or just going out to eat restaurants, it's a little on the pricier side, especially in the, um, North Island. But other than that, I mean, people are wonderful. Everybody's super nice. There's not a lot, but I would say like beware. Um, yeah, just enjoy And just make sure you, besides the initial, like, oh, I'm going to be sleepy when I get there. Just make sure you stay there for long enough, um, that you get, the full experience and you get to do everything you really want to do. Because-
1: So strategies. you're saying, don't just plan for like a three day trip, plan for a full two-week trip. Exactly, week. take some time, enjoy yourself. Excellent, so, um, but in terms of risk of crime, risk of, um, uh, uh, you know, just invasive, sh- uh, like aggressive uh, peddlers or things like that, nothing like that at all?
2: Yeah, honestly, I didn't see a lot of that at all, I mean, it's, especially from talking to some people that live there and they had only good things to say about like crime and I didn't see, it's not like you like homeless population there. Um, everything just seemed very clean and orderly and yeah, not a lot to complain about
1: honestly. Yeah. I would say if there's one place in the world I would want to be homeless, that might very well be the place. So honestly, I think so. <laughs> it's like, I just have a tent. I can live there for probably, I can live off the land for probably quite some time. Um, Big up for that ticket, and you're good to go. <laughs> there you go. And then, um, apart from that, any um, for for my listeners, any uh, value adds, cost savings, best practices that you as a traveler have whenever you're doing traveling? What
2: what I would say is I always like roping in other cool experiences to the vacation. And one thing I wish that I would have done um, is Australia. I've never been to Australia, but it's pretty close. And if you're going all the way to that part of the world, and Australia is only like a, I don't know, maybe a two hour flight away. It but, might be roving in that, at least just for a day or two, or trying to pull it off like a over on your way home, maybe. Um, so kind of being creative about things like that to so just tie in a new spot um, as like a little added bonus.
1: I'm like oh,
2: two days in Australia, just because you don't know when you're going to get back down there.
1: So exactly, and it could be years, or you may never. And so that's one of those things. If you're going to be in that general vicinity, hit it up. You know, you never will we'll stop by. I'm already down there. And that's kind of my thing. I like, I'm one of these people that I've kind of created a bucket list for myself. And up until about 2010, I want to say I only, no, I'm sorry, up until about 2009, I'd only visited three countries, which were the US, Canada, and Mexico, which I mean is something, but it's not a lot. Now in 2020, I'm up to 23 countries and have had an opportunity to, yeah, I know, right? And so I had an opportunity to... Experience cultures, different types of food, history, art, really loved to meet different people, experience different languages. See, And, you know, some of these countries are just so romantic and there's so many wonderful things that you can figure out about them from, from the nature of the location um, to the history. I mean, I, like growing up in Southern California, the oldest buildings I had here were probably about 50 to 100 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you go back East – where you're located in Virginia, for example, uh, all of a sudden the buildings are like maybe 200 years old or a little bit older than that in some cases. But when you go into places like Europe, all of a sudden you're starting to see like marble staircases that have been warped because so many people have stepped on them throughout 500, 600, a thousand years. And it's just taking that in and really living in the history and then seeing it in firsthand is just spectacular. That's one of the reasons I have been traveling as much as I have. So.
2: Yeah, there's just so many places that's different stuff. The farther you used to go, the older stuff gets. And it's hard to wrap your mind around it sometimes,
1: like how old some things are and how long people have been there doing some things. So I agree. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, I want to thank you so very much for being part of this vlog and podcast. Um, again, uh, just I really appreciate you sharing your information about New Zealand with myself and the students. So thank you so much for that. Um, for my students out there. Um, If you have any follow-up questions or comments, uh, please feel free to reach me at scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you would like to be notified when new videos go up, simply hit the bell icon on YouTube. Um, If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. We'd love to see you. Um, If you like this video and you'd like to see more, please give us a thumbs up. And if you're on a podcast Please feel free to rate us on any of the podcast locations that you go to. It's always really appreciated. But until next time, make every day a travel adventure. Thanks, everybody. Have a great one. Bye-bye now.
0: The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting The Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with The Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.